0: Hey, we're so glad you could join us on our podcast today. We hope this message equips and inspires you. And if you're ever in the Liverpool area, we would love to have you join us at one of our services. Our service times are 11am and 6pm. For now, though, enjoy this podcast that it's uh, only at Liverpool One Church we can get away with playing some journey songs, right, and somehow try and tie it and map it into a message somehow. Well, um, firstly, let me just say welcome to our current series. We're in week two of Rocktober, and um, we've decided to try and use some rock songs and see what life lessons we can learn out of them. You know what? Um, that song, Actually, the story behind it is quite inspirational because Jonathan Kane was the keyboard player at the time. And he was uh, trying to make it as a musician and he'd moved and he was walking along Sunset Boulevard, just trying to make the grade, get in the band, do his thing. And he'd been there a long time and it was really feeling for him like this is just not working out. So in those times of sheer disappointment and desperation, what do you do? You you ring your dad. And um, he put a call into his father that was in Chicago, and he was like, listen, dad, um, This is just not really working the way that I had hoped. I'm now thinking that maybe it's the best thing for me to do. If I just come home to Chicago and it was his dad prior to him joining the journey, who literally on that phone call from Sunset Boulevard, when he was just ready to quit and walk away from his dream and walk away what really in the depth of his heart he thought would be best for him, his dad said, son, whatever you do, don't stop believing. Don't stop believing in yourself. Don't stop believing that a good day is coming, that a better way is ahead. Whatever you do, son, don't quit. And out of that conversation came this song. And obviously, Jonathan later went on to join the band, The Journey, and all the fame that came with it, and the, the worldwide accolades for the band, and all of his achievements were just on show for all to see, but I guess the message of the song was just, whatever you do, don't stop. Don't quit. Don't stop believing. I think probably that that's the same tension and struggle that every single one of us that has maybe chosen to follow Jesus has to manage as well at some point in our life. I mean, if you're a Christian, if you're a follower of Jesus, there are gonna be times and seasons in your life where you just kind of feel like things are so incredibly difficult. Things have just got so hard and you don't know why things have got hard. And if you're anything like me, there'll be times and seasons when you're just really super tempted to quit, to walk away, to walk away from church, to walk away from God, to walk away from your faith. Now, I know how this goes, right? Because I've sat exactly where you're sitting today so many times, right? Typically, when we come to church, what we kind of want is for there to be like a fairy tale message. You know, it's got like a nice start, an interesting middle, but an even better ending where kind of like the hero comes on the scene and just fixes everything and makes everything just right. And we get the answers for all of life's most deepest and most meaningful questions. I get that that's what we can sometimes want when we come into church, but I'm just going to give you a disclaimer right now right up front be super honest and say this is not one of those messages I mean I-, I wish it could be if I'm honest but as I study scripture as I open up the word of God what I find is there are a ton of people who went through some incredibly difficult and challenging times who it was so tempting for them I'm sure in seasons that they would walk away from God and stop trusting in God and yet Even as difficult as it was what they were going through, they somehow figured a way of just choosing not to abandon their faith, even when God didn't always do exactly what they were asking him to do. So there is the disclaimer. But I do think that we all struggle in our Christian faith sometimes. I mean, have you ever noticed how little you pray and talk to God about your health when you're in perfect health? Have you ever noticed it's kind of like, you don't go to God, do you, every day praying that God would, you know, look after you and give you great health when you're in great health. It's just not on your radar. It's not on your agenda. Have you ever noticed how, Uh, often you don't go to God and pray to him about your financial situation or your job situation when you've got a great job. I mean, when you've just got the promotion, you're not praying and asking God to give you more promotion. You're just absolutely delighted that there's gonna be a bigger paycheck coming and you've got more opportunities and more influence. You're just so ecstatic about that. You're not really praying and asking God to move or do anything in that particular area of your life. Have you ever noticed how When there's not a problem in the family, you're not praying to God about the family. When there's not a problem in the relationship, you're not talking to God about the relationship. Have you ever noticed that the less concerned you are about something, the less you talk to God about it? You know, I actually think that there is a way that we could say that our Christian life is quite similar to. Now, years ago, I used to think that I was so cool because like when we would DJ, it would not be done through automated digital systems like it is now. It was like old school manipulation of vinyl, which by the way, sounds better. For all of you young ones that are like, no, no digital mastering is amazing. No, no. vinyl, it has a warmth to it, right? That just is uncomparable to it. It's incredible. But here's the thing, right? I think our Christian life is quite similar to the way in which that we can sometimes DJ because you can come to church, you can make a decision to follow Jesus and all of a sudden it can feel to you like life has just hit a high. It comes across to you like you are living life on the top of a mountain. It's like, you know God, you've accepted his love, you follow Jesus now, it feels to you when you first start following Christ, like there is this connection that is just so deep, it's unrivaled by anything or anyone. It just sounds like life is on a high. It's like whenever you pray to God, He's there, He's listening and He's answering your prayers. But then if you're anything like me, the storms of life can happen, circumstances happen, and it just feels like things are getting really hard all of a sudden but then it's okay because you get to come back to church on a Sunday, right? You get to do fused, you get to do life groups, you get to be involved in all of your serving opportunities and you can get a fix and it's like life is good again, God's back, he's hearing my prayers all over again, he was silent for a while and it's okay because now he's back, he's doing just what I want him to do but then after a while something else goes on a job situation that you were not expecting just completely blindsides you somebody gets sick and you were not expecting it and it feels like your faith life is just coming to a grinding halt seems now like when you pray is god even there anymore i mean is he even listening now it doesn't feel like you're living life on the mountaintops. Now it feels like you're a base at the foot of a valley. Now it feels like this is just crazy. You had no problem with your health, but now the consultant wants to see you back and there are further tests being done. There was no issue with mum and dad, but now all of a sudden out of nowhere, they're getting divorced. There was no issue in the marriage, but now all of a sudden it's crazy and there absolutely is. And when it feels to you like your faith life comes to a stop, you know what we all do? we then start to question the very existence of God. Then what we do is we go, well, God, it it used to be awesome. It used to be just great, but now it feels like, do you you even know what I've got going on in my life? Are Are you even mindful of what I'm carrying right now? I mean, do you even care? Do you even listen to any of my prayers? Because it feels to me like you're not answering any of my prayers. And when it feels like your faith life has come to a stop, what we all experience and we all do the same thing, we go through this thing that's called a crisis of belief. And it's that time when you're praying the hardest, but it feels to you like God's listening the least. It feels to you like everything that you're asking God to do, he just doesn't do. It feels like it used to be awesome. You used to be tight. You used to be close, but now he just feels far off. And now all of a sudden you start to question, you know, God, is there ever gonna be any relief to the circumstances that I'm battling with in my life right now? God, am I ever going to get a job? God, am I ever going to meet somebody that I can marry? God, are you ever going to heal my sick child? God, are you going to ever change the heart of my husband so that he falls back in love with me? God, it just feels like you're not doing anything anymore. Work-life pressures increase. You're away from home now more than ever, and you're like, what is going on, you know? Nothing seems to be changing. Those that you work with are more hard work than ever before. You fall into this crisis of belief. The marriage can start to go wrong. And before you know it, you've ended up in a place that you never saw coming. And not only is your marriage falling apart, but so is your faith in God because God's not doing what you're asking him to do. Your health takes a return for the worst. Your relationship with your son or your daughter, it breaks down and you're like, God, are you ever gonna do anything about this? And the more it feels to you like God's silent and God's not responsive and God's not doing what you're asking, the more it makes you question God's existence. You go through this crisis of belief, like, is there any point in me coming to church anymore, God? I mean, God, seriously, is there any benefit at all in me going to a life group? I mean, seriously, God, I mean, we sing the songs, but what good is that to me? Is there any benefit from any of this at all? And when we typically go through a crisis of belief and we feel like God's not responding in the way that we want him to, ordinarily, we do one of two things. Firstly, we just pretend that the bad isn't really happening. Sometimes it's like people's natural default mode. You just kind of like lie about the whole thing, just make out that things aren't really as bad as they really are. And you kind of keep doing the routine, you keep coming along sometimes to save face, just kind of keep up appearances, but you just make out as though the big problem is not really a huge problem, but the problem with denying that is it comes back to bite you later. I mean, you can deny it, but probably it's not a good long-term strategy, but it's a default mode that we all go into when we enter this crisis of belief. But the second thing, and I think that this is probably the most common thing, actually, when you go through a crisis of belief and you're like, God, are you even real? Like, God, do you even care? You know, one of the most common things is that we do. We choose to run away from God. Rather than allowing the crisis to bring us closer to God, what we do is we respond and we say, well, because this is happening, you mustn't be real. Because you haven't healed my whoever, because you haven't restored my relationship with whoever, because you haven't given me whatever it is that you're believing for, we equate that to to equaling that God just might not be real. So then what we do? Well, we don't really feel like we need to go to church anymore. We don't feel like we need to stay connected anymore. And it's very hard sometimes when you're in those dark places to feel like you can ever find the light again. You know, I actually, I want to just recommend a book to everybody. It was something that I read uh, this week, and I thought it was a fantastic book, actually. It's a book by a guy called Craig Rochelle, and it's called Finding Hope in the Dark. We don't sell it or anything. You can just go online and get it from Amazon. You could get it way cheaper from them than we could ever get it for you, and it gets delivered to your house for free the next day. Awesome. Win-win. But honestly, if you ever feel like your life has just hit a really difficult place and like you're surrounded by darkness and it feels like no matter which way you turn, there just aren't really any good options available to you, you should really check out that book by Craig Rochelle. It's a great read. It'll take you a couple of days. It's not even a big in-depth book, but it's just full of practical wisdom for how to negotiate difficult times. Because if we don't negotiate difficult times, what we're gonna do is just ignore it, pretend it, or simply walk away from God. But there is a third option, but it's not a common option. As a church at Liverpool One, we say this, we exist to change lives for Christ one life at a time. And we believe that we're gonna do that by authentically and passionately pursuing a God who we know for sure is wanting a real and authentic relationship with you, with each and every one of us. And there is a third option, but I think that it's only available to those that are gonna passionately want to authentically pursue that relationship with Jesus Christ, because this is not necessarily gonna bring you back the fairy tale option, What we're going to talk about today is the third option. Might not change your circumstances, but it will change your perspective. And I want to do that by taking a look at the life of an Old Testament prophet whose name was Habakkuk. But I guess I want to answer this question first. What do you do when you are going through a crisis of belief? Because you ever notice how when it's your friend that's maybe struggling with a crisis of belief, like it feels to you like you've got all the answers. You've got all the advice. You can tell them, you just need to do A, B, C, and D. And you can tell them how they're not leading themselves right. And they just need to lead themselves better. And you've got so much faith for other people when they're struggling in their faith. But how come? When we go through, when you go through a faith crisis, it feels to you like you can't even apply the great wisdom and insight that you've got for someone else to your own life. I mean, why is it so hard for us to manage our way through these times and seasons when we're going through a crisis of belief? So what do you do when you are going through a crisis of belief? Habakkuk, he's um, an Old Testament prophet. In fact, he was one of the 12 minor prophets. His book, his account is quite short. It can be found in the Old Testament in the Bible. And um, it's really interesting because the season of Habakkuk's life really was incredibly difficult. It was difficult for two reasons. Firstly, he was not like um, a, a typical prophet who would typically speak to people on behalf of God. That typically would be how the prophets would work of old, but Habakkuk would rather speak to God on behalf of the people, which would have been awesome if the people were not having such a wretched time in the life of Israel. So about 600 years before Christ, Habakkuk starts to have these conversations with God about all of the difficulties and the challenges and really what he felt was just simply unfair regarding everything that was happening to the life of those that were living in Israel. The book actually only consists of three chapters. And it kind of ends with Habakkuk doing what I think we desperately need to do if we want to authentically and passionately follow Christ, even when we too experience a crisis of difficulty. But you see, in the very first chapter, Habakkuk's writing and he's kind of like starting to wonder what on earth God is gonna do about all the problems that Israel were facing? I mean, they're not in a good place. They're about to be attacked by the Babylonians. He's fearing death. He knows that they're gonna lose land. He knows that they're gonna lose people. They know that they're gonna lose lives. And it just feels like an incredibly dark situation for this prophet and everybody that was around him. And his frustration was kind of one that was saying like, God, like, why won't you do something about this? And I think we can all relate to that. Have you ever found yourself in a time or a season when you're like, God, why won't you just move and fix that? You know, they're sick. Mom and dad are splitting up. My husband's moving away. My children don't want to, like, God, why can't you just do something and fix that? Well, Habakkuk was challenged with the same frustration in chapter one. It's kind of like a, a chapter just full of his angst and anger and I guess disappointment, really, like, God, why won't you do something about this? And then the book goes into chapter 2, and it kind of, like, continues along the same theme. But this time, it turns into, like, a frustration of waiting, it's kind of like he feels like he's done his faith season of trusting in God, but because he hasn't seen God move, and we do this all the time, he got all more frustrated about the fact that God didn't do what he was asking him to do within a frame that he had very kindly given to God. We do the same thing all the time, right? It's like, God, come on, just, just give me a wife, give me a husband, just anybody. And it's like, God, I believe that you're gonna do it in three months time. And if you don't do it in three months time, then God, I know that you're not real. You know, we do the same thing all of the time. And Habakkuk was just getting so frustrated with waiting. He just felt that this was completely unfair, that God was going to allow the Babylonians, their arch rivals, their enemies to come and attack them. And I guess that in chapter one and chapter two, what you sense is this overarching, heartfelt sound of just disappointment. He was just disappointed with the way things were. His relationship with God was confused. I mean, he's starting now to doubt God in a way that he'd never had to doubt before. He's not understanding why God is doing this. He's hurting and he just doesn't get it. Have you ever been in a time or a season in your life where you found yourself living in the same place? Like you're just doubting like God, Why aren't you doing something? Or God, why are you allowing this to happen? And the more that the situation is that you're facing goes on, the more you feel like, God, are you even real? Do you even care? God, I can't believe this. I can't understand this with my own natural thinking. Why is this even happening? And the first two chapters are just like sheer disappointment. But then in chapter three, something kind of crazy happens because chapter three is like the control alt delete moment for Habakkuk the prophet, right? Chapter three is like the moment where he's holding down the power button and the volume button at the same time, trying to reboot the device and get his faith going again so that it works properly and it starts in order. It was the resetting of his mind during the difficult season that he was physically facing. So let's take a look, and we're going to go to Habakkuk chapter 3. We're going to go to Habakkuk 3, and I'm just going to read to you what it says in many Bibles first, because this is kind of interesting. I've not seen this before, and maybe it helped me. Maybe this will help you too. Before we go to Habakkuk 3 and we look in the verses that we're going to and we're gonna start at verse 17. I just want you to note what the subheading says and it's a directional term that's in there for a reason. Every time there's something mentioned in scripture, I promise you it's in there for a reason. And this is what it says. It says, a prayer of Habakkuk the prophet. So we know it's now gonna recount a prayer that Habakkuk's gonna go and convey to God. But it says this, it says, on Shidunoff. On Shijunov. Now, if you're anything like me, you'd look at that and just go, what the flip is that about? It's like on Shijunov. But here's the thing when you understand this directional term that Habakkuk has put in there for a reason, I mean, like, seriously, I promise you guys, this is important. I mean, seriously, this is incredible about what Habakkuk is about to relate to us. It's on Shijinoth. I mean, I should you not. You need to know exactly <laughs> what this Shijinoth thing is about. You need to know because this is really important because it's a directional term. And this is what it means before Habakkuk even starts to pray anything to God. You have to understand. How he prays to God, because this is what it says on Shijunov. It says it means to pray with passionate, exuberant praise. Pray to God with passionate, exuberant praise. In other words, this is what Habakkuk has just taught himself he's having a moment, he's having a pity party, he's so frustrated with the way that everything is going, but he is leading himself and he is now saying, actually, I am going to bring my passionate, exuberant praise to God." Not dependent on what is going on around me, but just because of who God is. And even when I don't feel like he is being kind, I'm going to lead myself and know that he is kind and he is good and he is for me. And even when I see the things around me that I'm not pleased with, I'm going to understand that maybe he has a plan and he has a purpose and his heart is always good towards me. And I can trust him. On Shidunov, with exuberant passionate praise. And this is what he says, I love it. Verse 17, he says, Though the fig tree does not bud and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls. Let's just stop for a moment, right? Right? because I hope that you can find your life in the same text that Habakkuk is writing. I mean, hey, listen, you might be sat there thinking, seriously, dude, this guy's worried about sheep? He didn't have Asda, we're covered, we're all good. But listen, it's the same thing for us. Your concerns may not be about figs and grapes and olives and sheep. But in the same way that he was expressing to God, look, even though nothing's going right right now, even though the job hasn't come in, even though the marriage partner is not on the doorstep knocking with a bunch of roses, even though my health is not even staying the same, but it's deteriorating, even though it looks like I've got nothing good going on around me and I'm about to be overwhelmed by my circumstances and all of the challenges. What Habakkuk goes on to say next is something that we have to learn because we go through the same seasons as he experienced too. He was saying, God, even though nothing is going right, and then he goes on to talk about what he's now going to do. And I want you to listen, right? Because whatever it is that Habakkuk does next in this season of his life is exactly what we need to do next when we find our our lives and ourselves in seasons when it feels to us like nothing is going right either. So when your marriage is on the rocks, when your child has turned his back on you and now she's making all the same mistakes that you made when you were a child and you can't convey that to her because you're just seen to be the daggy parent, no matter what's going on, even though a loved one is sick and it doesn't look like it's getting any better, even though you're dealing with financial stress and financial strain, I encourage you to do now what Habakkuk did In chapter three, verse 18, when he said, even though nothing is going right, this is what he says. And this is powerful. Yet, I will rejoice in the Lord and I will be joyful in God, my savior. He's saying, even though God, nothing is going right for me right now, I'm gonna choose to rejoice in you. Do you know what we do? You know what I do? When I've got something going on in my life, I kind of think like this. I think, you know what, God, when you fix this issue, when you sort this out, when you sort their attitude out, when you bring that into my life, God, I'm gonna rejoice to you like never before. We kind of go, God, I'm gonna praise you like never before but we're getting it completely the wrong way around. Habakkuk, I mean, we don't know exactly, but maybe he was down on his knees. You know, he's going against his luck. Everything's going wrong for him. And he just makes this this inner decision of his heart. God, even though nothing is going right for me right now, God, even though it's going to hurt me if I ever even try and sing to you, even if it's going to hurt me physically if I ever try and raise my hands to you. Even though my world is broken, I am going to rejoice in you, not for what you've done, not even for what you might one day do, but God, I will. I'm going to rejoice in you because you are still good even when life is not, God, you're still bigger than my circumstances, even when they're going against me. God, you're still stronger. You're still more able. You can do it again, God, because you've done it before. But even if you don't, I'm still gonna choose you. I'm still gonna trust you. I'm still gonna give you praise because your character is good. Your character is loving towards me. That is the God that we serve. But sometimes we've gotta start to think, even if you're not in a season right now where it feels to you like everything is not working, plan and prepare how you're gonna be because there will be. Those times, you know, many of you will know our story. And it's mad because I had a counselor say to me once, they said, every time you talk about this, you're like, your emotion is so on the surface. It's like, you're gonna take years maybe and whatever, but, but like everything is right on the edge. But can I just say the most difficult time of my life to choose to praise God, to, honestly, to come to church was when my wife had a diagnosis But honestly, through weeks and months, I'd convince myself like, like this is the end. I mean, like this is, I'm going to be the guy that says goodbye to my wife way too earlier. And I, I would like be so riddled with fear and anxiety and the moment that, the more you go with the consultant, the more you're in the hospital, the more actually it freaks you all out. The more you try and learn more about it, it just worries you and concerns you all the more. But let me tell you, the most difficult days to keep on coming to church was that time of my life. And, and I lead the church and I'm embarrassed to even say that, but I'm serious. I mean, seriously, to even get me to come to church was the most difficult thing because to raise your hands in worship and to sing out to a good God when your life is bad is the most difficult and the most challenging thing. and. Her is the thing, not all the time will God change your circumstances, but you know what I found? I find that if the circumstances don't change, and thank God that ours did, but if they don't, he changes your perspective on what the circumstances are. Somehow, I think that I experienced what Habakkuk goes on to say, because this is what he says in verse 19, after he's made the decision to rejoice in the Lord, this is what he says, the sovereign Lord is my strength. Notice how after he's rejoiced, all of a sudden, it's like he realizes that strength comes flooding into his life. And then he says this crazy thing that's hard for us to understand, but he goes, he makes my feet like the feet of a deer, and he enables me to tread on the heights. You know, Israel is quite mountainous. And there are these deer that will go and ascend to the heights of the mountains and the mountains are rocky and they're unstable and the cliff, face, the cliff face that they will often go to rest on and to graze on are incredibly steep. And Habakkuk is starting to associate that as I rejoice in God, not only does his strength flood into my life, but he makes me able to stand solid and straight on the most sheer of cliff faces. Even if what is around me is unstable and the drop might be steep, I won't fall off the edge. Have you ever felt like you've got so far gone? You're like, you're just on the verge of cracking. You're on the verge of giving up. You're on the verge of just losing all hope. Well, the truth is, is that when we do what Habakkuk did and we rejoice in God, strength comes into your life. And the great news is, is he enables you not to fall off the edge. He enables you to have solid feet on a solid ground. So I wanna say, look, when you feel like quitting the most, when you feel like walking away, when you feel like God doesn't care, when you feel frustrated because of how the circumstances are, when you feel disappointed because that won't happen, the thing won't come into pass, and whatever it is, when you feel like nothing is going right for you, Liverpool One Church, we want to authentically and passionately follow Christ, right? And that means that not every message is going to be the fairy tale ending. It means that, you know, not every answer is available for every question. But maybe as we authentically pursue God, we can do what Habakkuk did. We can just say, okay, God, I'm open. I don't like what's going on around me. I'm not going to make out that I love what's going on around me, but I'm open to embrace the circumstances that are surrounding me right now. But no matter what is coming against me, I'm gonna choose to rejoice in the Lord. I'm gonna choose to rejoice in the Lord. I'm gonna choose to rejoice in you, God. And even when I don't feel like it, I'm gonna choose to rejoice in you. Even when I don't think it's awesome, I'm gonna choose ahead of time, before the crisis, before the disappointment, before the hurt, before the broken, I am going to choose to rejoice in the Lord, because dark places direct you to deeper levels of intimacy with the Father. You will experience a closeness with God in the valley that you will never know on the mountaintop. And whilst we all want the mountaintop your relationship with him will grow deeper in the valley so embrace where you are and rejoice in God all ways time has gone why don't we stand to our feet